Are you ready to take your real estate investing business to the next level? Well, you're in the right place. This is the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. With your mentors, Wayne and Gabby. Morning and welcome to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Today is Wednesday, June 8th, and we are going to have a high of 21 degrees here in the Edmonton region with maybe some storms. Fun. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. We're broadcasting live as we do every morning on the Podbean app. Uh, every morning, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Join us live. You can join in on the chat. You can click the call-in button and ask any questions you want about real estate investing. It is... It's here for you guys, okay? It's all for you. So uh, call in with your questions today, and, uh, and 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 yeah, we'll answer them. We got a few questions left over from yesterday. Yeah. Um, did we ever come up with what we're doing this Friday for the Friday Live training? Um, no. A couple people interested in realtors. Was it uh, realtors? Uh, I came up with a couple topics yesterday and, and, and just like some ideas. Was it, was it choosing a realtor? Was it, um, what was the other one? <clears throat> the other one was property management tips we were talking about. Mm-hmm. I think that's actually what, how, was that literally how everything stemmed from yesterday? Maybe. Yeah. You that? said that and then you said, yeah, like getting an email, but here. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> How did we get into property management stuff yesterday? Not property management, more so like the the the, the life of uh, of of materials and and, and uh, appliances yesterday. I'm curious. Yeah. I don't remember. Sometimes we just start talking and then we don't realize how it all started. How we got there. Um, Chris slept in yesterday. Missed a great show. Yeah. Chris, you can have to wait until Wayne Wayne gets it together to release it. Whoa. <laughs> well, yes. Um, depends on the day. Depends on the day. That, that episode should be out a little bit later. Um, yeah, you know what? Uh, well, there's one other option I didn't think about as well, which actually, you know what? I think this is what it's going to be. Um, I made my decision. This is what Friday Live Training is going to be. It's going to be on spring maintenance tips. Oh, yeah, we talked about this already. Because didn't you just we? told me that summer's in 10 days. <laughs> so, we should probably get on that. Spring and summer maintenance tips. <laughs> <clears throat> we should probably get on that pretty quick here then. Uh, spring maintenance tips. That's what we're going to be talking about this Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually, what did, day did I say it is? Today's the 8th. So, 12 days until summer, I think. Thank God. Something like that. Okay, so I still got a little bit of time. <laughs> um, Okay. I'm going to check on a couple questions from yesterday first. Um, just going to get those through and then uh, we'll see where it goes today. Um, That's good. There were a couple comments actually from last week, but they're kind of irrelevant now. I just need to correct myself. It's summer on June 21st, so 13 days. 
Now you may proceed. Um, there was a question from Josh yesterday that everybody was like, I really want to know what that is. Um, and like, honestly, I don't know what it is either. Um, so Calvin had made some sort of comment on the tour. Yeah. What was the question? Um, I'm Googling it. (laughs) (laughs) Truthfully, I don't know. Uh, And I mean, had I remembered, I probably would have just got Calvin to call in. And uh, maybe that might be what I'll do for tomorrow. Um, It sounds better. Yeah. Or I can Google it. I mean, you could Google it. More Um, fun to have Calvin in. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to save that. Josh, if that's okay, I'm going to save that question for Calvin. Um, As long as he's available. Which I'll make him available. He says, sounds good. Um, I'll make him available. (laughs) Wow, lots of people um, still pouring in here. And I saw some new names in the beginning. You did? Yeah. If it's your first time joining us live, let us know in the comments. Let us know or I will find you and I will call you out. Yeah. (laughs) And maybe I just haven't been paying attention to the people coming in so maybe it's not like your first time listening but i noticed a couple new names that i haven't seen before uh if your name is coming up is like a a jumble of letters i mean um create a profile let us know who you are um we're curious um yeah wilson (laughs) it's my first time yes that was the name i saw tony e first time he says tony e hello hello welcome um, what were those other questions from yesterday? I hate reading questions before reading them. I hate reading them out loud on the show before reading them, but I'm just going to do it. Okay. Screw it. Uh, <laughs> hey guys, if you're, if you are doing new sweets builds, new sweet builds, well, he, he put an S in the end. Okay. Um, new sweet builds, um, meaning adding, Secondary sweets. Okay. Are you yeah. still reading or are you just trying to dissect? Would your JV bring reno money and safety fund money? Or would you indicate some months of cash flow? Or would you, sorry, I can't read today. Or would you dedicate some months of cash flow to your reserve fund? We kind of covered this a bit yesterday, actually. <clears throat> um, okay. So there's this is a two part. Because there's there's a renovation portion, there's a flipping portion, right? And then there's also a rental portion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of need to break it up. It depends on what your strategy is as well. Are you doing a burr or is your partner responsible? Like who's responsible for the down payment money for the property? Who asked this question? This would be Zakaya, and I wonder if he's here today. He should be. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm just scrolling through to see if he is here. You keep an eye on the comments. Sure. Um, we seem to be getting, um, a lot of questions about JVs lately, uh, like within our mentorship group on our, on our public, uh, Facebook group, as well as on here, everybody's asking about, um, JVs lately. And, I, can I just say one thing before you specifically answer the question? Because 
I feel like it's the same, like we're giving the same or similar answer over and over again, because it's the same question asked a bunch of different ways. Mm-hmm. Joint ventures are completely whatever you want them to be. Yeah. They like, you can make them whatever you want. You can have a joint venture partner that brings nothing and you split it 50 50 with them. Yeah. <laughs> and I say that drastically to give you the idea that literally you make it what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. If you are okay with them just bringing a down payment and then you putting up the renovation money, great. If you're okay with them bringing the down payment and the renovation money and the reserve fund when it's then a rental, great. You like it's whatever you want it to be. So there's no right and wrong. That's correct. Okay. So when we're talking about joint ventures, it's whatever you think is fair and whatever you agree upon with your partner. There's no right and wrong way. Yeah. Okay. So now that that's out of the way. Everything is negotiable. Everything's negotiable. Um, so the question of would your JV bring rental money and safety fund money or reserve fund money? Um, again, it's entirely up to you. Do you want to know the standard? Like what the... Yes. What's, that's what I, w- I thought you would get to kind of like what the, the norm would be. Okay. So again, it really depends on your strategy, but <clears throat> the standard is that there is an expert and there is a money partner. Okay. Um, the expert will normally get 50% for being an expert, a sophisticated real estate investor. And the money partner will get 50% for bringing the money and the, the financing. That is a standard. However, in this scenario where there's rental money and down payment money and reserve fund money, the reason why I asked what your strategy is, is because that's a lot of money to have Mm -hmm. a money partner tying up into a property, Mm -hmm. right? If you're adding a new secondary suite, the cost of adding a new secondary suite, geez, um, for us would be about $140,000 these days. Yeah. For you, if you don't have connections and you're just calling up one, two, three construction company, you know, you're looking at like 160 to 170,000. It's, it's crazy how much it costs right now. So let's just be nice and say the cost for uh, renovating the whole house, um, the upstairs suite, uh, units, and also the basement suite is $140,000 plus down payment money of say 60,000 plus a $10,000 reserve fund. That means a money partner needs to bring $210,000, which is a lot of money for one property. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I hope that, you know, maybe you've implemented some sort of a burst strategy or a refinance portion so you can refinance and pull some of that money back out after you've increased the value. Um, But the standard to answer your question is the money partner brings the money. The expert brings the expertise. Yeah. And that's really what I wanted to get to as well is that, you know, if you're adding a suite, then you you should have plans to refinance it. And when you refinance it and pull your built in equity out, that should go back to your partner to so that your partner, like Wayne just said, doesn't have $210,000 locked into a deal because that's not a good return on their money Mm -hmm. to have it just sitting there $210,000 in one secondary suite property. Um, so if you can refinance it, pull out that equity that you've, that you built in there and pay them back, um, you know, hopefully the renovation portion, then all that they have left in there is their initial 60 K and that's fantastic. Yeah. 
and then and, and, the, and the reserve fund. Yeah, that's a great, great position to be in. So Absolutely. that would be the ideal. Absolutely. But yeah, they if they have two hundred and ten thousand dollars to bring, then yeah, that's yeah. that's great. Um, the, I mean, without getting too far into it, um, the reason why that's not a good thing is because their ROI would be absolutely terrible. Yeah. Right. Because let's, let's imagine you're buying a $300,000 house, right? That's what that 60 K was for 20% of 300 K. And you're spending $140,000 onto it, into it. Um, so you're into that property for 440 K. Ideally you want to increase the value of the property more than the money that you're in for. So that you want the house to be worth more than $440,000 afterwards, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say it's worth 480K. If you were to go out and buy that, not, so you did the renovations, right? You, you spent 210,000. Now you're into it for $210,000 and, or 200,000, I guess, plus reserve fund. Um, you bought a, Four hundred and eighty thousand dollar property for four hundred and forty, right? But you're into it for two hundred thousand dollars. Well, the difference would be like, what if you went and bought that four hundred eighty thousand dollar house turnkey? Mm -hmm. What if you went and bought, you know, a property that was already renovated? Some other guy or girl renovated that house and added a secondary suite. It's all brand new and it was listed on MLS for four hundred eighty thousand dollars. Well, if you bought it off turn off MLS for turnkey, the down payment amount would be ninety six thousand dollars, not two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, right. Now, granted, like you, you won't get the benefit of all that increased value, right? The difference between the four forty and the four eighty, your forty thousand dollars profit is not there. However, you were only into it for ninety six thousand, as opposed to being into it for two hundred thousand, which means you're actually doubling your ROI. Does that make sense? Because the revenue that you are receiving from this rental property does not change, right? It's still $3,000 a month in rent. The mortgage pay down is still the same. The cash flow is still the same. The, so ROI is return on investment. How do you calculate ROI? You divide, you divide the, the return by the investment. I don't want to make sure I got that correct. So <clears throat> if the return is fixed, but your investment is twice as much, then it's going to, again, it's, it's going to decrease your ROI by 50% or half, sorry. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure when you're trying to get the best return on your money, the best ROI, there's two things you can control, the return and the investment. If you can't change the return because you can't change the revenue coming from this property, the only other way to increase your ROI is by decreasing the investment. Okay. So when, when I hear that the renovation money was not, you know, you didn't figure out some sort of a, a maneuver after doing the renovation to return some of the renovation money or all of it, then I instantly, I'm thinking to myself, like, oh, that's not a very good ROI. Yeah. Hopefully that makes sense. <clears throat> What else do we got? Um, there's a follow-up question to that. Uh, well, let's, there's a couple questions actually. Um, 
can you ask for the reserve fund or a portion of it when buying a turnkey property? We kind of covered this yesterday on, on the, the regular, the, the normal things, normal, not wear and tear, but like the normal things that you have to cover as you know, that you're responsible for with a rental property with operating a rental property business, mm-hmm. right? We talked about appliances needing to be repaired or replaced in the first 10 years. We talked about furnace cleanings, talked about gutter cleanings. I'll go back to my notes yesterday. What else is there? Um, paint. We talked about allocating money for furnace repairs, hot water tank that replacements every 10 years. Again, it, it really depends on, on how long you're planning on keeping this property, which is, you know, you need to really do your research on, on the lifespan of, of all the materials within your, you know, your, your rental property. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're planning on keeping it for a very long time, a lot of these things are going to come up, uh, flooring, right? So, even with a new property, you're still going to have repairs and you're going to have replacements coming up. It's yep. just, it's normal and, mm-hmm. and also maintenance. So, and we talked about how um, often the new properties um, will sometimes have more issues pop up and, and repairs and maintenance needed than some of the older properties. <laughs> and so part of the previous question was, or would you dedicate some months of cash flow to your reserve fund? Um, you, you dedicate every month of cash flow. Every every month you dedicate a portion of your cash flow yeah. or a percentage of your rent towards replenishing your reserve fund. Yeah, it's constantly you, building. Say you're starting at $10,000 for your reserve fund and you're just putting more and more and more and more money in there and you're not depleting and, and you're not having any expenses and your reserve fund gets up to 13,000, well that's good because eventually you're going to have a $3,000 or $4,000 repair, right? What you want is you want to keep it at $10,000 at all times. The reason why you're keeping it at a large amount is because you want to make sure you've always got enough there for your largest expense, right? And over time, that reserve fund will go up and then it will go down. It will re- it will deplete and then it will, re- it will replenish and then deplete and replenish. And it's up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. But you never want it to get down to like 2500 bucks, and then you have a $5,000 repair. And then you got to call your money partner and say, Hey, I need you to give me 2,500 bucks. Well, and then I say, what happened with the reserve fund? Yeah. Well, it's just a little low right now. Uh, it's going to go back up though. You know, um, it'll go back up over the next, you know, 12 to 18 months. It's just, you know, we're just a little low right now. So I need you to put some money in and uh, the cash flow. I'll make sure that the next 12 months of cash flow pay you back mm-hmm. the money that you put in. Well, that's not the point. The whole point is for them to not have to put any money in. So you have to put a large enough reserve fund to make sure you cover your largest expense. And yes, it will go down. It will go up. It will go down. It will go up, but you want it to be healthy enough that you, it will, it will never go down enough that you'll ever have to call the partner for money. Make sense. Yes. And absolutely. You put a reserve fund in place on a new build, which I think was that, that question there. I mean, I mean, if you want to do it right. Yeah. I mean, you do whatever you want. We, right? yeah, like we've talked about uh, the new build that we bought a couple of years ago and and all of the craziness that ensued after um, taking, well, before taking possession, but, mm-hmm. and then after taking possession and yeah, we bought a, a suite of duplex and the amount of random things that have come up over the couple of years that weren't covered by new home warranty and just yeah. like all these, yeah, it, it was, was crazy. <laughs> well, 
we we have one property that we 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 cover the lawn maintenance. Um, it's just it's 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 kind of like a shared area, and we we've always had trouble trying to figure out who would be responsible for lawn maintenance. It's like we just decided to increase the rent slightly, and um, and and we cover uh, cutting the grass. So we have someone come by, I think once every week and a half to cut the grass and, um, company comes in. It's great, but we weren't watering the grass. And so we asked a couple tenants like, Hey, in the, in the heat of the summer, a few summers back, um, the summer's getting burnt. We're like, Hey, we're going to supply you guys with hoses and, um, and sprinklers. We want you guys to, to set it out during these, you know, hot days, but in the mornings and in the evenings when the sun's not on it and they weren't really doing it right. And we had no way of really checking on it because it was so far away. Um, they say they're doing it, but how do you know? Like, are we going to go down there and double check that they're actually doing it? Are we going to ask them for videos or, or, or picture proof? No. I mean, so we go and we spend all this money on hoses and sprinklers. We got, um, splitters for the hoses because we got hoses going in the backyard hoses going in the front yard it's just, it, was, it was so much money that we spent on this and then still even at that point they still didn't do it properly so all of our grass got burnt to the point where it wasn't repairable so what do we have to do we had to hire in a company to resod the whole property which ended up costing 25 2700 bucks something like that plus the hundreds of dollars worth of you know hundred and whatever foot hoses and, and sprinklers and stuff to cover all of the areas. Then even after that, we needed to water that grass because it was still the heat of the summer. Right. And so we had to hire someone to go actually go out there twice a day to water the grass, to ensure that it was being done because we couldn't trust the, the tenants. All said and done, I think we must've spent $4,000 on that lawn. And it still looks like shit. <laughs> it's also one of those properties that just doesn't get pro like it's a mature area with like big trees in the neighborhood and stuff. So it doesn't get the proper like sun and <clears throat> rain required. We have the same problem at our house here in, in Leduc yeah. um, where it's just like you can't win. <laughs> yeah. um, we have some properties that have some very big trees. Some of them are on our property. Some of them are on adjacent properties. And those trees fill up our gutters probably two or three times a year. Yeah. And how much does it cost for gutter cleaning? 150. 150. Yeah. Plus tax. You know what I mean? Like Actually it's increased. It was increased this year. 175. Son of a bitch. <clears throat> it's like this is just stuff that you don't think about, right? Um some tenants are really hard on faucets. Right? And you got to replace faucets every couple of years. Um, fun fact, I mean, those, those extension faucets, you know what I mean? That mm -hmm. everybody loves, that everybody needs now. Pull down sprayer. The pull down sprayer. Tenants, man, they're way too, not every tenant, but just like, if you think about it on an average, if you look at like all of your properties and how often you're replacing them, it's way more than you're replacing it at your house, at your own home. Let's just put it that way. I'm not saying tenants are terrible, but just they need to get replaced on a regular basis. So it's just, there's, there's a lot of little things that people don't think about. Um, <laughs> Jeremy says, my tenants seem to be very hard on doorstops. Isn't that the truth? Like, what the heck are people doing to doorstops? They're always, like, mangled or missing or the caps are gone. Or, like, kids. <laughs> kids. 
Kids are terrible. Every time I go in, like when a tenant moves out, I always have to replace like a few doorstubs. Let's talk about our neighbors for a second. At least those are cheap. Let's talk about our neighbors for a second. Oh my God, our neighbors. Okay. Our neighbors look like great tenants. You know what I mean? Nice young family. Nice young family. Three kids. Yeah. Two younger and one older. Yeah. Two are younger. I mean, you meet these kids. They are the sweetest little shits in the world. (laughs) Hello, how are you today? Yeah. The sweetest. I, they, I walk past them and... and they always say hi. And, uh, just yeah. very well-mannered. And um, wife does home business, something, something. Um, husband works up north, so they make great money. Um, yeah, just like great people. Those two little shits. <laughs> I don't... Anyone who met me at the bus tour, I love kids, okay? I always, like like... In, in a bus tour full of 75 people, I'm making sure that the kids are having fun, okay? Because I remember what it's like being a kid, being dragged being out bored. to, like, my yeah. parents' dumb shit, okay? <laughs> I get it. So I want to make sure that the kids are out. So, like, I naturally, but these two shits, <laughs> sorry, I say that, but with, with obviously, um, a, a story behind it. They are the worst. Oh, my God. I can only imagine what that house looks like over there. I saw inside it when I went to their front door. It's an absolute mess. Yeah. And mom just hides up in the bedroom. Every time I knock on the door, because like what they end up doing, they throw stuff into our yard all the time. Okay, I get it. I, I was I, I did that when I was a kid, too. You guys did, too. You know, you're playing with the ball. You're throwing. See how high you can throw it up in the air. You're volleying it, whatever. Um. And it gets into the neighbor's yard from time to time. I had an old Italian guy next door. He hated it because you're ruining my cucumbers, right? <laughs> he hated it. He used to hold them and, and and we'd ask for them back and he'd be like, not until you promised you're not doing this ever again. Okay, so I get it. But we have a little dog mm-hmm. and they're throwing food over. They're throwing tiny little toy trucks and stuff like that. Plastic things. Just they're everything. Um I had, I had the, the, the dad um, ask me one day, he's like, hey, have you seen any like um, forks and knives in your yard? I'm like, what? And he goes, "We, I just bought my wife this really new knife, uh, fork and knife set. This is the cutlery set. Uh, we don't know where it is. We're assuming it's probably in your yard. And he's like, I'm so sorry. They're throwing stuff over there. But I've talked to them 20 times since last summer. Oh, yeah. Easily. I, I've filled bags full of shit that I've picked up in my yard and I've gone and knocked on the door and I said, this is what they threw over just today. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But every time I go over there, it's the little girl, the teenage daughter. And she's like, um, yeah, I can get my mom. And then she'll go upstairs and she'll be like banging on the door. Mom's hiding in the bedroom. I don't know what she's doing up there. The kids are just doing whatever the fuck they want. The whole house is a complete disaster. Yeah. Anyways, what I'm saying is, is that there you go. <laughs> that's, that's kids, right? That's what they're doing to door stops. I mean, a perfectly decent family. And that's why you got to do quarterly inspections, by the way, to make sure that your house isn't being destroyed. Yeah. Their whole garage do- uh, roof is full of toys. Oh, yeah. There's all sorts of transformers up there. <laughs> they have this game where they see how many toys they can throw on the, on the, on the roof. And then they don't bring them down. The gutters are full of, like, of, of garbage. But anyways, that, that, that's, that's, that's essentially, you know, that, that's tenant wear and tear, obviously. You can, <laughs> you can deduct for that. But you were saying, you know, what are kids doing to, like, doorstops? What's happening to doorstops? It's because, like, some kids are like that. It's yeah. crazy. Anyways. <laughs> um, absolutely terrible. 
We got one, we got one neighbor that's, uh, that's like that. The other neighbor, um, hasn't cut her grass since she bought the place in 2016. Yep. Well, if she's listening, then she needs to know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Look at, look at the front lawn. She needs to know. Yeah. Well, and the, the rental on the, uh, the one we were just talking about too, like the, the front, yeah. Like surrounding us is just disaster. It's hard to keep ours nice because the weeds are just infiltrating. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Um, Jeremy, it's a brand new neighborhood. He says, sounds like quite the neighborhood. Brand new, beautiful neighborhood. Incredible. <laughs> I always say that it's so bizarre to be living in a brand new neighborhood and to go and walk around the neighborhood and see how you know these people go and they buy these you know four five six seven hundred thousand dollar houses you know like people like in, in a brand new neighborhood so new builds they go and they pick out their their house that they want to live in right they get it built they move into these expensive houses and when their garages are open you can see that they're filled with all the toys yep but they can't cut their lawns yeah like they can't like there's no exterior maintenance. The backyards, like when you when you walk along the paths and they have like the mesh backyards, the backyards are disasters. Yeah. Like, how do you? I it just it blows my mind. I just I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it. How there's like such a lack of I don't know pride in these houses once you spend all that money. Some people's kids. Some people's kids. That's... I don't get it. That's it. No, Chris. So I say brand new neighborhood, but like the neighborhood's been been built in phases for I don't know a decade. Yeah, close to that. Um, about about a decade, I would say since 2010, 2012 ish, I think. Yeah. And um, so it's a it's a pretty large neighborhood. At, like I said, in phases. So a lot of it is is now technically older, but a lot of it is still literally new construction. And I'm talking like well-established yards. Um, Chris said maybe they're waiting for their, you know, ground the ground to settle to take care of their lawns and stuff. That is not the case here. <laughs> oh, no. Not the case. <laughs> yeah. well, some people. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, it's it's hard for like I I get it because I I don't know. I, I remember when I first thought about buying my first house. I'm like, I'm gonna cut the lawn every day. Just that feeling <laughs> of having your own home. And cutting the lawn just is like a man's dream. You know what I mean? It's just like, I don't know. It's just like we were born for it. And then I got the house and I never fucking cut the lawn <laughs> at all. Ever. Ever. I think I cut the lawn maybe twice at our first house. And that was it. I cut it lots. I'm saying I did. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm saying I did. Yeah. So like the desire to cut the lawn was gone. Oh, yeah. Like it, it takes a certain person to enjoy cutting the lawn. I'm not one of those people. For sure. But we know who we are and we hire it. <laughs> That's what ended up happening is we came to the conclusion that like, we're just, you know what, we're not, we're gonna not do gonna it. do it. <laughs> and that's a terrible mindset. But as we started developing, you know, our business and and started really auditing our time, um, we realized that it's just best to hire it out. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of things that you can hire out to ensure that you're saving time. Uh, actually, this is a great conversation that I had yesterday with um, <clears throat> with Chris. Actually, Chris from Roxanne, we had a coaching call yesterday. And we were talking about just like freeing up time. And this is a great example of like, you know, 
if I had the time, would I cut the lawn? Probably not. Mm -hmm. But I think it's like all of the compression. It's the compression and like the of stress that all that I need to do all of these things mm -hmm. that I need to go to work that I need to figure out how to, you know, how to, how to, how to learn how to flip houses that I need to figure out who my next joint venture partner is going to be that I need to cut the lawn that I need that I need that I need that I need. And you add all those things up and it, it creates a lot of like pressure. It compresses on you and it feels overwhelming. Yeah. And then the overwhelmingness is actually what, what prevents you from taking action. It paralyzes you. But if you were able to decompress some of that, say quitting your job and you free up eight hours a day, are you going to cut the lawn? Probably not. I'm not. <laughs> Probably not. But the decompression isn't about freeing up time in order to, to give you the time to do things. I find that the decompression of, you know, cutting down to part-time hours or cutting down to no, you know, no, no job job at all will actually free up the, the clarity that you need in order to make decisions. Does that make sense? Instead, I it does. instead of finding more time, what you need to do is free up the decompression so that you can actually free up your clarity to make better decisions. Your brain space. Brain space. Yeah. That is where, that's where the money's made in ideas and finding the right people to partner with. Mm -hmm. It's not about calling a hundred people. It's about having the ability to figure out who's going to be the right person and being very strategic about getting them to come to you. Yeah. Right. So essentially what you're saying is that when you're working a full-time job and you have kids and you have um, soccer practices and you have dinner to make and you have the dog to walk and all these things, it's just you're, you, you have a busy mind. Yes. And so when you're trying to get to your, you know, building your real estate portfolio or doing whatever it is you want to do in real estate, it's more just like, all you can handle is just the tasks yes. and it's not very forward thinking about how to build this, you know, empire that you want to build. It's hard to do that when, when from a busy mind. Yes. And so when you release that obligation of the full-time job, it gives you the time to be less, have, have less busy, have less, and be less task driven and focus more on, creativity. you know, creativity. How are you going to build this? What's it going to look like? Who do you want to partner with? Instead of like, Oh my God, I need a partner who has money. It's like, hmm, who do I want to work with and what kind of business is this going to be and and what traits are they going to have? You can, yeah. A, a great example is 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 um, long drives. Have you ever noticed how creative you are on long drives? Mm -hmm. Actually, funny story. Um, I, was it yesterday or the day before, a couple of days ago? Um, I had to go drive into the city and... Uh, <laughs> It's, it's funny. By the time I get to the, to the stoplight outside of our neighborhood, I'm almost always calling Gabby and saying, Hey, I came up with an idea. We're talking three minutes down the road. <laughs> three minutes down the road. The second I get into the car, yeah. suddenly it's like, there's no phone. There's no notifications. There's no computer in front of me. There's no long list of, you know, tasks on a piece of paper. It's just me in my mind. And I miss those days. Yeah. You used to get a lot of drive time. I used to get a ton of drive time with work. I used to drive an hour every morning and an hour in the afternoon. And then I used to get sit in my vehicle all day. But I found when I sat in my vehicle all day, I was distracted by work and by my phone and everything else. When I'm driving, there's complete clarity. It's me and my mind and my thoughts. Yeah. And how, the ideas that come up when I give myself that time mm -hmm. 
It's amazing. It's amazing. I don't come up with jack shit when I'm sitting at my computer. Yeah. I don't. I really don't. I'm not creative. But when I give myself the time to have clarity, I, I, should, I should be meditating more. I should be. I should be going for walks more. Mm-hmm. The problem is I have to leave my phone. Maybe give that a shot today. Maybe, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to have to free up the time. Okay. Go for a walk without your phone. See what ideas you come up with. You're going to be really pissed off that you don't have a a notepad. That's one of the big reasons. Leave your phone, bring a notepad. (laughs) Leave your phone, bring a notepad. Yeah. But I'm sure some of you guys can relate and post in the comments if that's, if that's you. But like when I drive, that's, I'll normally throw a podcast on or an audio book, right? So I'll leave and I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to listen to on my drive. And within three minutes of listening to that, I hear something that inspires me or something that like, I don't know, reminds me of something. And then I pause and then I'm just thinking for the rest of the drive. And then I call Gabby. I'm like, hey, can you write this down and put it on the calendar? <laughs> right? Am I? Yeah. Every single time. Every time. So what you need to do is you need to decompress in order to have clarity. I like it. So that's, that's, I, like I said, it was ironically, you know, Chris, Roxanne and I were talking about that, uh, yesterday because, um, we were talking about like cutting down on hours at work and what are you going to do with those four hours or those eight hours a day, which was a big issue for me when I first left my job, mm-hmm. right? I freed up the hours. Now I don't have any excuses, but for some reason I still wasn't doing all the things that I wanted to do. Yeah. Oh, and when those hours are free, all of a sudden you, you know, if you, if you don't have an immediate routine established, all of a sudden you start sleeping in. There goes an hour or two of those hours. Mm-hmm. And then you, oh, this is awesome. I don't need to be aware. I'm going to watch a show. There goes another hour or two or four, mm-hmm. depending if you binge it or just <laughs> watch one. So like you can fill that time easily Yeah. with stupid shit. Or you fill it with productive shit. Yeah. And so there's eight hours and you build a giant list for the day. And these are all the things I'm going to need to do. I need to call this person. I need to go run down to Home Depot. I need to call this person over here. I need to send off the joint venture agreement. I got a small list right here, literally in front of me of things that I need to do today. Yeah. And like, and then I need to send this over. I need to send a, an introduction email for this and everything else. And then by the end of the day, you're like, oh, wow, I got so much done. But did you grow? Mm-hmm. There was literally no creativity. So what I, what I came to the conclusion of was that by leaving my job, it was not so that I could, I could have time to fill out joint venture agreements. It's not so I could have time to fill out a scope of work, you know, a uh, scope of work for, for, for projects, it's not so that I can, you know, cold call people. No, it's so that I could free up my mind and decompress to be able to come up with ideas. And then I hire everything else out because my, my superpower is my creativity and my ability to make decisions. Mm-hmm. I hire people to fulfill those decisions. Yeah. I find the right people to take care of it. Right? That summer, years ago, I could have, I could have gone down and taken, you know, got bought all those hoses and those sprinklers and those splitters and gone out twice a day and taken care of that stuff. But what I have... Would I've would I've created any would I would I have had the clarity in order to make the decisions that I needed to make in order to grow the business? No, mm-hmm. it's not about money and your and your and your value per hour. 
it's about freeing up and freeing up time during the day in order to be creative. I told this to Chris and Roxanne yesterday because Chris is actually going through a transition right now. I hope you're okay with me talking about this, Chris. I know if if you aren't, then say stop. Um, But what I told him was that when you free up those four hours, don't, don't try filling it with a bunch of just random shit thinking to yourself, I never had time to do these things. Now I'm going to do these things. What you should be doing with that four hours is coming up with two to three decisions every day. That's it. Two to three decisions with four hours. I say, I'd say two, come up with two things that you're going to do every day. And that could be two tasks if you want, or that could just be two new ideas, two decisions. And that's it. Go read a book for the rest of the three hours. If it takes you 20 minutes, that's fine. But leave yourself that time. Leave yourself that time to go for walks. Leave yourself that time to go for drives. Leave yourself that time to play video games. Doesn't matter. That's what I do every day, right? The days that I'm most productive is the days that I have nothing going on in the calendar. Yeah. Because I come up with really good ideas. And then I make decisions and then I implement them. And I send them to the right people. People say to me all the time, like, oh, man, you must be so busy with all these different projects and stuff like that. No, not really. No, his wife is. Gabby is. Because <laughs> that's her job. Yeah, I'm the task. That's her, Like, we've established roles in the business, right? Yeah. And, that, and, and that's not just me being superior to Gabby, which is a completely different topic. It's just that's her role. That's her job. That's what she likes. This is my job as an entrepreneur. Gabby's not an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Gabby's a business owner. Mm-hmm. But the, the, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you want to be a real estate investor, that's what it needs to be. And yeah. you're going to have to h- hire somebody to run the business. <laughs> there is a lot of things to do. Yeah. And it is overwhelming. But just get the right person on board to either partner with you, to employ yeah. them. Um, or, I mean, if, if perhaps you have a partner in your, you know, your relationship that is, that is best suited for it, don't force that on them. But this is just our dynamic. It works out really well. Yeah. Um, may I ask you a question? Uh, sure. Um, this has this gets asked every once in a while. Um, and Jeremy says, Wayne, which podcast do you listen to? Do you have a couple names that you can throw out for? Because you have some really good, like, motivational, get creative type of podcasts that or YouTube clips. It might not necessarily be podcasts. I stopped listening to other people and started listening to myself years ago. Yeah. <laughs> But that those, sounds, but those that was po- supposed to be a joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, because you're not driving, you're not listening to them That's, much anymore. Yeah. But those were very helpful in your growth, right? Um, I would go through um, cycles. I would go through cycles of um, personal growth. Um, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Motivation. And then, and then real estate education. So at that particular time, there was only a handful of podcasts. And looking back, like, I'm not going to say anything about those podcasts because they they were very helpful to me. But um, you guys know that there was a reason why we rebranded my previous podcast um, from an interview style to a morning show. There's a reason. Because I didn't feel that um, the interview style actually worked. Um, I learned so much about... So about little, how do you word it? I learned so much about nothing (laughs) um, that it paralyzed me. It like, 
learning about some guy who built a car elevator in some million dollar mansion in Hamilton did not help me buy my first property or buy my 10th. Okay. Learning about sea can containers did not help me grow my business. Mm -hmm. Learning about how people are buying in Costa Rica and having great cash flow did not help me. And if I did make the decision that I wanted to buy in Costa Rica for great cash flow, I would have to go buy their $10,000 program or $20,000 program, right? So like I wasn't learning anything from those things. I was getting motivated by other people and their ability to make decisions and to be successful, but I wasn't learning anything. <laughs> and I hated that I had become that the exact same thing, having people on motivating people, but they weren't giving you a how to guide. I tried my best. I tried with my guests to like, to ask very specific questions as if I were a listener of the show, what the information I would need in order to replicate what they did. Some days it worked, some days it didn't. Um, but I don't like other real estate podcasts. I don't. And I stopped listening to them for that exact reason, because I was wasting time I was wasting my drives listening to, 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 to people talk about how great they were, but I wasn't, I wasn't learning anything. And what it, I know what it does for a lot of people is actually paralyzes them even more thinking that they're not worth it because that person's so great, but I'm not. Why, why are they able to do that? And I can't, right? Or distracting them with different, different methods, Fucking, different. Yeah. 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 And th that's the other thing, like not me, but other people I see constantly. Hey, I heard this one person, they're doing this strategy over here. How do you do that? Do you know how to what, do that? What, what do you think about that? What do you think about that? I'm like, no, stop getting distracted. Yeah. About their dumb, stupid shit yeah. that they're doing. But Wayne, more so, I but guess. Oh, sorry. I can go answer ahead. the question. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if you um, were getting back to it. Go to, go to, I don't know, Apple Podcasts and look up real estate investing and, and choose the top 10 there, the top five podcasts that come up. I mean, one of them is me and then the other four breakthrough real estate. Say, I don't want to say all that stuff and then, and then name them all. Cause they're all really great people. I like them a lot. Um, what about like, I, I was more so thinking in the direction of like the motivational stuff, not, oh. not real estate, but like, because you, you, you used to listen to a lot of like Tony Robbins yeah. and a lot of different people oh, where you know, the, that's where the growth, I'm not talking about like real estate education and listening to people talk about real estate. I'm talking about like, you know, the impactful stuff that makes you, you I know, will realize name you need all to change. Of them. Breakthrough real estate, um, Erwin Zeto's, uh, uh, Erwin Zeto, what's his podcast? Um, Truth about real estate investing for Canadians. Um, Gary Hibbert's podcast is really good. Um, real talk with Gary. I didn't like the other ones. Um, those are pretty much the only ones that I listen to. Um, and then, so if I was in, in a, if I wanted to develop as a person, I would listen to, um, Tony Robbins audiobooks, like on replay. Mm -hmm. There's a couple that I really liked, um, plus his podcast, but I, it, it that was more of an interview, interview style, style thing again, yeah. Yeah. which again, I hate listening to interviews. It's, um, I don't know. I don't get the value. Um, and then if I was looking for like, if I was looking for like extreme motivation um, to take action, then I'd just listen to Gary Vaynerchuk's podcast. 
Um, and I get, again, it would go in cycles. I would listen to one for one week, another one for another week, another one for another week, and then an audio book, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was more so just about, I was, I was more concerned about, um, changing the way that I thought, uh, Gary, Gary, and, um, who's the other one there? Um, Tim Ferriss, um, they kind of re, re, um, reframed my, my, uh, my, my mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they redesigned my mind and how I thought and how I made decisions. Yeah. Tony Robbins as well. Um, so I'd stopped thinking like an employee and I started thinking more like an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Right. It helped me develop critical thinking, mm-hmm. which was extremely powerful. Um, the ability to see both sides and make decisions quickly. Yeah. Right. Which um, you passed down to me. <laughs> I tried my best. Took years. I try my best. I feel like I'm a really good decision maker now, though. <laughs> it, um, yeah, th- that, that's basically what I would listen to. And then from time to time, a new audiobook, mm-hmm. um, as recommended. Nice. Yeah. Sorry, long answer, but I, I, I felt that was important. Yeah, for sure. Um, everybody knows my feelings about interview style pro- podcasts. It just doesn't work. Unless it's on a specific topic that you're trying to learn about and it can help give you ideas or insights into it, then you might get a couple snippets out of it. You'll get three one-liners. Yeah. But otherwise, it's just um, momentary motivation Motivation. that is fleeting. (laughs) It doesn't last. It's not going to stick. Yeah. So, I mean, some people just enjoy it and that's, you know, when they have downtime, that's just what they throw on. But it's it's fleeting, it's fleeting momentary motivation. Yeah, I mean, it's better than listening to like your radio morning show and like whatever yeah. rock music on the way in. Yeah, see, like, I'm, Bonzo and the banana in the morning. <laughs> but personally, like for me, music is is life when I need a change in mood or a change in frame of mind. The right music helps me exponentially and that is more beneficial to to my like mental health and to my you know changing that frame of mind than putting on some interview or some you know what i mean like so knowing yourself also and what is going to help shift your perspective or shift and listening to that i uh i i try and stay away from music though now when i'm when i'm driving Mm -hmm. um I don't want to get too far into this, but um, music can have an extreme impact on your day. Yes. Actually, it does. It's so powerful. It, not, it, it will determine your day. What you listen to in the morning will determine your day. It's crazy. It's crazy how how chameleon-like we are, how we adapt to our surroundings. If you listen to loud music in the morning, it will increase your heart rate. It will get you like warmed up and everything else. If you listen to soft music in the morning um, or, or someone who's soft spoken in the morning, you will be so much more calm. It's, it's crazy how you just like you adapt to your surroundings. Um, if, if I were to listen to Dave Chappelle uh, comedy on my drive in, it's funny. Like I'll walk around and I'll be like joking like Dave Chappelle that day. <laughs> Where the next day, if I'm listening to whoever, um, I was a belly button guy, uh, Louis C.K., 
you won't get it. Yeah, I don't. Um, <laughs> then, like, I'll be joking like Louis C.K. that day. Like, it, it's crazy. If I listen to some music, it will put me in a mood. If I'm listening to, yeah, if I'm listening to like really good music, but it's more of like a ballad, suddenly, like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm almost like, it kind of puts me in that state, mm-hmm. and I don't like the way that it manipulates me. Mm. Now, I love music. Uh, look at my giant, you know, record collection. Which, and guitar collection. <laughs> and guitar collection. Trust me. I, I love music. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a time and a place for it now. I don't know. I've just, I've, 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 um, I've really gotten to know myself really well. And I know what motivates, what inspires me, what doesn't inspire me and what manipulates me and what doesn't. And I just, I, I avoid music unless, mm-hmm. unless there's a certain time for it. Like it's, it's my downtime. Mm-hmm. I don't listen to music on the drive-in anymore. Just everything I told you about how, a certain podcast or like my, my, how important my drives are mm-hmm. putting music on. It actually clouds my creativity. Yeah. It, doesn't it, can, give me it, a, it can absolutely be a distraction. I will think about random things, but nothing productive. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Just think about it. Think about like really get to know yourself really well. And when you get to that level, it's like, I just decided that music was not a good idea anymore. Mm-hmm. Unless I had downtime, unless I chose to have downtime and I could, and that's okay, then I'll listen to that. But otherwise, no. Um, anyways, I'm, I'm going off on extreme <laughs> tangents today. Um, and I know there was a couple of questions. So I'm going to answer as many as I can over the next yeah, five there's minutes. There's actually, I've gone through and I think there's only really two that we missed that we didn't kind of touch on. Um, uh, one was uh, Jeremy's, but also a really quick, easy to answer question was um, Debbie had asked how we uh, resolved the lawn issue with the tenants. And so um, just to go back to, so this was the new build that we purchased a few years ago. And um, it was kind of an overthought and I didn't uh, lay it out properly in our leases when we first tenanted, ten- tenanted the places because I was like oh we're going to get lawn cutting so there's no lawn maintenance yay but we forgot to kind of include the lawn watering and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. so once we had tenants switch over um, we incorporated in the lease the responsibility of the main floor suites to um, to do the weekly watering fertilizing weeding that kind of stuff um, so that we could enforce it and and whatnot so that's kind of like how we solved the issue we do still hire in the weekly lawn cutting because it's it's um it was kind of like a skinny front back duplex and then basement suites in each so it has pretty small front and backyards that's had no way of separation to separate for the uh the two the well the four suites so it's all shared and would be a nightmare to manage kind of who was cutting so that's how we did it we just implemented in the leases that the two main floor suites kind of um deal with their sides so the back tenant is responsible for the backyard and the front tenant is responsible for the front yard is that what it is uh yes i believe so with without looking back and Okay. Yeah. Something we're going to need to monitor this, this summer yeah. because, uh, we never really fixed it. It's actually, it's, it's, it's pretty, some of the spots are pretty dead. Yeah. Um, which is like ugh, my joint venture partner is going to kill us. Um, if we, if we put any more expenses that right there, that four grand plus vacancies plus a bunch of other stuff actually depleted our reserve fund to the point where we actually personally had to put money back into it to fill it up to the, to the threshold, you know, that we needed to have. And we haven't paid out cash flow in like a year. 
and he's not happy with that. Um, but it was the right thing to do. We yeah. have we have certain like um, thresholds. So like the, if it crosses down below this amount, then we stop paying out cash flow. If it crosses down this amount, then it needs to be replenished by whichever partner. In this example, this joint venture agreement, we actually have it that we're responsible for it. If it drops below a certain amount, we have to re- we have to do a cash call, like we cash call ourselves, and we put the money back into the reserve, and then we pay ourselves pay back first, mm-hmm. and then we get the reserve fund back up to a certain amount, and then we can start paying cash flow. And if it goes to down below a certain amount, then we stop paying cash flow, so that the cash flow specifically goes towards replenishing it to that certain amount again. Um, but yeah, it went it went below. The threshold that we actually had to do a cash call on ourselves yeah um now we've since been paid and it's since got back but um yeah just that like i i think that he would kill us if we if we had to spend any more money on sod um and watering and all that other stuff but yeah anyways, um jeremy jeremy says why do you make it sound like my question is a problem um not my intention jeremy it was just a bigger question and i thought we could answer the other question very fast um that's why i said that i apologize Um, if i offended you um because i thought that maybe we could get into your question um in more depth if we saved it for tomorrow if we ran out of time that's what i wanted to do i don't want to give a quick answer that's that's a very good yeah it's a great question that we can yeah definitely discuss in length instead of trying to give you a 30 second answer um, 225,000. There you go. You got your answer. <laughs> we will address that tomorrow though. Yes. It would attract a different tennis pool. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I can answer more depth, uh, when, when I, when I give it more time and I apologize. Um, there was a very quick one from Zakaya from yesterday. Uh, when doing joint venture agreements to, uh, those have to be signed at the lawyers. That's a great question. Um, so if you already have your joint venture agreement, Um, actually, well, so first and foremost, you need to get a joint venture agreement created, right? So, you know, you would go to a lawyer who has experience in developing or creating joint venture agreements and you tell them what it is that you want in there. Um, they're going to go through all the different clauses with you, like shotgun clauses and buy sell clauses and, and, um, you know, do you want both parties to make sure that you're, they're both insured, uh, what happens if someone dies? What happens if someone, you know, is um, uh, is not fulfilling their obligations? What happens if someone is injured where they cannot fulfill their obligations anymore? Um, who who has the right to sell their interest? Who can they sell it to? All those different types of things. So they're going to go through all of that with you, and then they're going to create a you know anywhere from a ten to thirty-page joint venture agreement. Yeah, and yeah. it's gonna and it's gonna look different if you're um, if it's just a regular buy and hold, or if you're flipping a property, or mm-hmm. if you're doing a rent to own, or if you're whatever. So so one joint venture agreement isn't transferable to all those different situations. Um, so you can't just like, oh, I, I have a copy of a joint venture, so I'm good. Yeah, no, yeah. it's like Gabby was saying earlier on the show. All joint ventures are negotiable, so. It's whatever you make of it. It's it's between you and your partner now. So you need to get a piece of paper done up first, a contract. And then from that point, you know, your review of the contract and your partner's review of the contract, you both have the right to get independent legal advice. So you would review with your lawyer, they would review with their lawyer, and if they're if you both are comfortable, then you both sign. But it doesn't need to be like physically signed at the lawyers, kind of like a, a mortgage document is when you buy a property. 
if you already have a joint venture agreement and you want to bring it to your joint venture partner and say, here's the joint venture agreement I use every single time, please review this. Then your partner has the right to go and have it reviewed by a lawyer because they're not going to understand the 30 pages of legalese, mm-hmm. right? And if they, if they find that after they've gotten their independent legal advice that they are satisfied, then they will sign with you, right? Yeah. That's it. So it doesn't have to be done at the lawyers, but it's recommended that every party um, get independent legal advice. Um, one extra layer, if you want, if, if it's a requirement of, of yours that your partner does get certified independent legal advice, then what you can do is ask that they, um, that they sign a certificate of independent legal advice, meaning that it is a requirement that you, my partner, you have to go get this review with a lawyer because I want to know that you were, um, you had the right person looking through it with you. Right. Yeah. And then the lawyer will sign that. Saying yeah. that they so reviewed they would, it with them. They would sign the certificate saying that I, um, Mrs. Lawyer, um, did so review this contract with uh, my clients, such and such, herein. <laughs> Therefore. Long run on sentence. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's no commas in there. Because um, <laughs> that's how lawyers speak. <laughs> run on sentences. Um, sincerely, uh, Mrs. Lawyer. And then then the, you got a certificate of independent legal advice. So if anything was to ever happen in the future where your joint venture partner said, well, I didn't understand that clause. You just got me to sign it really fast. Then you have a certificate saying, well, you did have it reviewed with a lawyer though. So you, comp- this proves that you did understand that it was explained to you properly by, um, by someone, by, by your own independent legal advice. Yeah. So that's, that's the answer to that question. What uh, what, just one last and then we'll wrap her up for the day. Quick question, Wayne, for your coaching calls, are they over the phone or video chat? If you book a coaching call, uh, through my app, um, so the mentorship program is, 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 is videos, um, those coaching sessions. If you want to book a on-demand coaching call through our, my app, um, it is normally audio. However, if you make a special request then we can do video. Um, the reason why I say that is because it's on demand. So if you were to book a coaching call right now for this (laughs) afternoon and my day was already planned that I was going to be in the city, like it is, then I would probably have to take it on the road and I wouldn't be able to or in a parking lot. Right. Um, if you were to book it for 11 AM, well, I'm probably just going to be leaving the gym. So I'm going to be completely sweaty and in my gym (laughs) clothes. So you, I'm not going to do a video. So that's why. If it's a special request and it's it's booked a little bit in advance, then I can I can make it a video as long as I'm going to be home that particular day. Um, yeah. uh, my schedule gets booked up very quickly. So uh, audio in most cases, um, video by special request. Awesome. Okay. Okay. Sound good? Good start to the Wednesday, people. All right. Go listen to a shitty podcast. <laughs> and we'll see you guys tomorrow morning. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Interested in being a guest on the show? Send us an email to info at reimorningshow.com.